we're going to talk about abundance. We're going to talk about um, living in abundance. And it's one of the, the interesting things I shared a little bit about during Christmas time. And that I, in this transition, for those of you who don't know, I'm transitioning uh, out of being the senior pastor of Mount Chapel. If that was the first time you've ever heard this, I'm really sorry. That, that feels like it's not a big deal. But I announced this a while back. And um, uh, it's been a little over a month. And uh, and so we're not sure how long that transition is going to be. Um, and I've committed to see us through that transition. But we're actively looking for uh, the next senior pastor of Mount Chapel. And so during this process, it's, it's, it's obviously brought up some um, just thought processes that are connected to that idea that I'm going to be doing something else and especially Christmas time when we we celebrate with our 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 staff and team we have Christmas uh, every um, a Christmas dinner that the staff cooks every year for for our um, elders and our team and and uh, so I you know I I think the first time it came out of my mouth publicly I said you know hey this is going to be this is kind of my last one and so as we were doing things um, I'm there's like a mind shift into like oh this is probably the last time I'll be doing that or this is the last you know um, Shannon and I chose to read the Christmas story this year and which we've only done a couple times in the last 10 years and um, because oh, this is going to be our, probably our last Christmas morning as the senior pastors and uh, anyway so in that I'm thinking I don't know how many Sundays more I'm going to be, you know, preaching on a regular basis. And so I'm thinking through, like, what are my... As season changes, the way you think changes to adjust to the season. And so I've been thinking, like, what are the the last things I want to deposit or what are the... um, I'm probably being a little dramatic because it's not like I'm going to space or something, but it's like... uh, (laughs) Um, yeah, and for for those, we're not planning on moving. We're planning on staying here and being in Weaverville, being part of Mount Chapel. And, um, so, but there's this change. So anyway, like I've been thinking about, like, what is it? What what are the things that um, that I carry? And then also, of course, thinking about legacy and what have I what have I left here? What have I been talking about for the last ten years? Um, and oddly, I can't remember either. I, I think I would remember more. Um, but I, I, one of the things that is a, just a commonality in, in my thought processes and it comes across in the way I preach and how I share is perspective is I I believe so much rests on how we view, um, everything first and foremost, or maybe most importantly, being our relationship with God, how we view God or how we picture God or how we think about God or how we know God directly affects his influence in our lives. How we position ourselves um, directly affects the amount of influence we give God. One of the things I learned is that... um, you know, there's some things in God's will that He um, that He forces. It's like, no, this is God's plan, and this is what's gonna happen. But how many of you guys know that, or have learned maybe that everything doesn't work that way? That actually, the the gift of free will, the gift of of decision making, is one of the greatest, most amazing gifts that He gave. Mankind in the Garden of Eden by giving them a choice that he never wanted them to take. Right? In the Garden, it was like, this is the amazing garden that you get to have. And here I'm going to put this fruit that I, that I don't want you to eat. And have we ever asked, well, why don't you just not have that? It's like, here you go. Don't touch this. Why are you handing? I'm confused. Right? It's confusing. Like, why is that? Why? Because you can't have love without choice. And so this choice that he gave us constantly to choose to engage in his will, to engage in his in this journey, to engage in this co-laboring 
is, is, in my experience, which I know is limited, but in my experience, I, if I keep tracing it back and peeling back pieces, and it, and it, the success in that has so much to do with how we view God. It's so much to do with how we think about God, what we call our perspective. And so I want to talk about a, a perspective. I want to talk about a, a thought process that, that I believe leads to, to abundance. And before we kind of get into this, I want to make sure that we understand abundance. Because um, while it includes stuff, that's a small part of abundance. Because you can have all the stuff you want and still be living in total poverty. In, in your mind, in your heart, you can be... Like, so it starts with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. Self-control. It, 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 it starts with the abundance of the presence of God in your life. The evidence of the Holy Spirit alive in your heart and mind. That's abundance. Now, what's amazing about God is that when it happens in, inside... It happens outside. Now it's important we don't that I, I don't believe we're called as believers to wealth. So I'll just make sure that we all understand that. There's actually wonderful anointed believers on our planet that aren't wealthy. That ha- that are struggling. That live in places we heard from Tracy, Mozambique, that they actually have a season of the year that people starve and die. That's happening currently on our planet. And the idea that that abundance and wealth are synonymous is very deceiving. And we want to make sure that we don't get there. Now, there is some connection, and we'll talk about a little bit about it, but I just want to make sure we start off in that place, in the right spot, understanding each other. Um, I want to look a little bit at, I'm going to talk about the story of the Israelites, and it's just an amazing story of our journey from from slavery to the promised land. Um, And there's so much, I feel like I could just, and I have, but preach on that story and the process and the things that happen. I, I was looking through different messages and stuff I've had, and so many of them have to do with what I've learned from this story. From the story of just Moses taking them out and then, all, and then of course, going into the promised land and the process. But I want to talk about uh, something really specific um, that has that I feel like has to do with abundance and this transition in um, Hopefully, it's something that's influenced the way I think. And so I, I just want to kind of get it out there for you guys, and you can do with it what you want. But um, basically, if, if you. The quick synopsis of the story is the Israelites, God delivers them uh, with Moses, delivers them from uh, the Pharaoh. They, um, they go to the Red Sea, they cross the Red Sea, and then they end up in, this, in the desert between the Red Sea and, and the Promised Land, which is the other side of the Jordan. So they're hanging out there, and uh, they end up doing a bunch of stupid things. And so they get stuck there. They get stuck in the desert where there's, um, where there's no life, basically. And during this season, which is what we're going to look at, during this season in the desert, they did a whole bunch of dumb things they did, but um, God, God changed the rules. Is pretty neat. Pretty. How many of you guys know that anytime God God literally changed the um, the effect that nature, like the natural course of things, that was started at at the curse of things growing, dying, and growing and dying and growing and dying, the natural course of that that He set in motion, He actually hit the pause button on it, and it says in Deuteronomy that. For, the, for those 40 years, that their clothes and their sandals didn't wear out. 
Now, so I, I don't know how God did it, but basically he put the pause button on time and the influence of time on on some key things that they needed. Because they didn't have the the um, they didn't have the means or, or, or whatever in the desert to to reproduce what they needed to to survive. So they didn't have to replace their shoes. Can you imagine you go out every morning and your shoes look brand new? Like even if you take really good care of your shoes, they just they just yeah they just don't last. Now imagine living in the desert, and so and your clothes. Like even if you you know. I used to burn through clothes when I was a kid. But now I stay off the ground more, and so my clothes last a little bit longer. But still, even if you take really good care of, like, your favorite shirt, it still just wears out. But God hit the pause button on that. And then the other thing he did, was, was which is just amazing, um, was he fed them. They were literally in this holding pattern for 40 years, waiting for, which is another message, but basically waiting for an entire generation of people to die so the next generation of people could go into the promised land. And very literally, they were wasting time. They were just burning up time. Waiting. And there was no... Um, they didn't have to, to make anything, create anything build anything they didn't have to produce anything Um, and then there is this food this manna and manna manna was their daily rations now the way I understand manna is that it doesn't taste very good I could totally be wrong on that it doesn't matter that much it's not a key pivotal moment in my sermon so if you don't agree with me that's totally okay. But the way I understand it is that it's kind of like eating crackers for 40 years. Give or take. But basically, this manna would fall like, like snow. It would, it, would, it would just every morning, there it would be. And they would go and they would gather it up and they would, they would eat and it would sustain them. And so, um, but there were some rules to it. You couldn't save it. You couldn't uh, you couldn't collect it. It, it. it didn't it didn't grow anything if you planted it. You couldn't store it for. You just every morning you just got what you needed for the day. Seems like a pretty. Can you imagine every morning you go out, you open the door. Some this actually happens now. Sometimes you can order your food for the for the week and it comes to the door and you're like there it all is. I don't know if you guys do that, but it's a thing. And, uh, but anyway, you go out and you open the door and there it is. Your groceries for the day. So you get your cereal and your, not if you eat cereal, but bacon and eggs in here. All the way through to dinner. And whatever you eat, go, whatever you don't eat goes bad. So it, you don't get to save it. And the next day, there it is. How many of you guys know that after a, a couple days, you begin to think differently? After a couple weeks, You'd really begin to think differently. And after a couple of years, after a couple of decades, your mindset would change. Your mindset would change. And there's this there's a mindset that I want I want to kind of focus on and look at. Um, that now this this situation that they're in was God inflicted. Okay. And what God did was God actually set up a, a people to not have to earn, work for, or or reproduce anything. It was it was survival mode. Now it wasn't survival like maybe we think about like barely holding on. I mean it was sustainable life. But there wasn't anything uh, in their day that promoted their future. They weren't they weren't building towards something. They were literally just waiting. And I want to look at just as we think about that, that this this season of provision was actually not God's plan. Not his original plan. 
right? His original plan, he expressed to Moses to take my people, go to the promised land. He didn't say hang out in, in the desert for 40 years. Why did that happen? Because the people, while they couldn't stop God's will, because God's will was to have his people in the promised land, they sure did a good job at delaying it for a while. Through their decisions, through their poor decision making, they delayed God's plan. And uh, in that, God had to change the rules a little bit and did all the things we just talked about. And on one hand, it kind of sounds good. Like, oh, that'd be cool if my shoes never wore out, my clothes never wore out. And I got food delivered to my porch every, or at least to my yard. Gather it up in the yard. You'd probably keep the leaves raked better if you knew there was going to be food on the lawn every day. But we, on one hand, it kind of sounds like, hey, man, that's not bad. That's kind of cool. I, the mind, the mindset that I believe we can still get into what maybe we can call a, a, a mindset, a man, a mindset, or a, or provision, is that that we 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 set ourselves up to sometimes believe that the provision of God is is the arrival. That like if and we and we pray for our needs. And I'm not saying don't not to do this. What I'm saying is is that just stick with me. That we're going to look at a mindset that sometimes can trap us from where we started where we're going, which is abundance, what we were created for, which is the promised land, which is abundance. How many of you guys know when you move into the promised land, you actually have to plant seeds and store them up, and all the rules change in the promised land. In abundance, the rules change. But sometimes we can actually get comfortable and stuck in, hey, it's not a bad deal to just not have to plant anything. Like, oh, what I really need is just the manna to fall again. Sometimes we get frustrated with our, our shoes wearing out when, when actually part of the shoes wearing out is, the, is, is God inviting us in to co-labor and design new shoes. You, you're trying to wear yesterday's shoes for, for today's hike. Are you guys with me? Um, in, that, in that mindset, in that spot, there's no... Uh, there's no reproducing. There's no investing. There's no multiplying. Remember the story of the minas? I want to propose to you that the guy that buried his minas, so there's three, I'll just, if you, if you don't know, there's three guys and, and uh, three people. I'm totally generalizing this story. There's three people, and the master gives them three different amounts, um, depending on which story you're and And the two guys go out and they invest it and they double their money they bring it back and the master says good job the third guy takes his money buries it in the ground sometime later brings it back and goes here's it here it is i saved it i want to propose to you that the guy saving the mina has a has a uh, a mana mindset because it's 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 void of looking into the future it's void of Reproduction. It's void of generosity. It's void of risk. It's void of investment. It's void of um, of multiplying. Matthew thirteen twelve, which is right in that same spot where that story is. It says, "Whoever will be given more, I'm sorry, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance." Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Let me ask you a question. How do you take something from somebody who doesn't have anything? I propose that it's a mindset. It's a mindset that it, that's being spoken to. It, God's not saying, hey, you did really good storing up all these things. Here's some more things. No, what he's saying is, you, stir, you stewarded what I gave you Here's some more to steward. You did well with what was given you. Here's some more. And stuff is the littlest part of that. Right? It's 
we, we talk about stuff, minus money stuff, because it's easy to quantify. It's easy to go, you had three, you, did, you turned that three into six, here's ten. Numbers are easy. It's hard to quantify love. You did really well loving people. You turned, you know, like it just doesn't translate directly across. But the point is still there. You did well with grace. You did well with forgiveness. You did well with mercy. You did well with kindness. So these are the these are actually the the things that that are important to God. Yeah, value. Thank you. They're the things that that are valuable in the kingdom. Um. Okay. Are you still with me? You guys still there? Um. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So how do you take away from something that... Uh, how do you take something away from someone who actually doesn't have anything? Um, I, what I, I call it the principle of behavior. So there's, there's behavioral principles that God's trying to teach, um, that Jesus was teaching, that Paul taught. That, and basically saying, taking a... a situation and say, and it's not about learning the situation it's about learning the behavior that creates the situation and and the um, the idea is that if you behave in such a way that you have nothing even what you have you'll lose what does that mean if I if I I have a I just happen to have a quarter in my pocket now a quarter is almost worthless these days but I think you can still buy gum with a quarter I think it takes two most of the time but let's say this was a hundred dollar bill I don't have one of those. Um, but let's say it was. Now, there's two ways. There's a whole bunch of ways to act. But we're going to look at two ways to act around a $100 bill. You can act like you have it or you can act like you don't. What does someone who doesn't, who acts like they don't, do to it? There's fear connected to it. There's this hold on tight. Don't, like, I got to, this is my, it's my last thing. I don't know. Like, there's this protection and I'm going to tuck it away I'm going to hide it I'm going to bury it I'm going to because I'm afraid of losing it which is the very action that that mindset brings it's, it's amazing that in the, in the kingdom it's actually the releasing of things that brings them to you <laughs> it's the letting go That invites abundance. So back to the point. Um, God meeting all of our needs is actually a lesser existence than the invitation we have to co-labor with Him. (laughs) I don't know if I can. God meeting all of our needs is actually a lesser existence than the invitation to co-labor with Him. That we weren't actually put here just to have our needs met. That, that, that actually, that, that, that world that is like, hey, that, looks, that sounds kind of cool. We get food every day. We've got sandals on our feet. We've got, well, not now. But we've got shoes on our feet. We've got clothes. And they don't wear out. This is amazing. We're actually living inside of a miracle. That's amazing. That's less than what God actually has for you. Which is work. (laughs) Which is risk. Which is, but that's actually the invitation that invites abundance. Multiplication. Investment. Risk. It's the idea that like, that I, what I have now is actually meant to reproduce. That just living in a place where God just takes care of me is a lesser existence than I work with God. And sometimes I lose and sometimes I win. This is where abundance comes and this is where safety is. That's what's challenging about it. (laughs) That's what I think. Um... 
meeting your basic needs is actually not God's best for you. And I'm getting to the challenge for you, for you, but but the, God meeting your needs, God taking care of you. I believe God takes care of us, but God taking care of you is is actually not His best. What He wants is a partnership. God doesn't just want to give you what you need. God actually wants to partner you to build something that other people around you need. Because you're not here for you. If the design of God was just to um, get people saved, then as soon as we got saved, even though it would be a tough preach, but as soon as we got saved, we'd go to God. Yeah, there'd be no, there'd be nobody left to preach. You'd leave the, some people around, maybe. But the point being is that 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 you're left here. You're here to do something after you enter into co-laboring with God. Like you're supposed to build something that attracts people. God's plan is not just enough. It's abundance. How many of you guys know that generosity releases blessing? In, in, in kingdom, you, you know, we, we say, oh, you can't, can't outgive God. So generosity actually releases blessing. In a, in a man of mindset where you only get what you need, and everybody, excuse me, everybody else gets what they need. There's no need for generosity. We just end up embracing the fact that our needs are met. We need to be generous. How many of you guys know that generosity, that needs encourage generosity? So the fact that someone else needs something that you have is an opportunity to co-labor with a, a rule of the kingdom or, a, or a, um, a mindset of the kingdom that is generosity to promote blessing in your life. I can't say that again. The point is that it's not, it's not, it's not just for you. So the... the the idea of abundance isn't that you have more stuff. A life of abundance makes it a cha- makes you a channel for blessing to people around you. Blessing and favor are given to you given to you to pour onto the people that you love. You walk in this in blessing and favor. You, I know we're kind of shifting, but you walk in in this. Mindset. It's important to have this mindset of generosity, and because it cultivates blessing and favor, which multiplies for the people around you. Um, Ephesians two ten says, "For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do." In Matthew five, it says, "Let your light shine before men, that they will see." your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Why is it that when people see your good works, they glorify God in heaven? Well, if you've been co-laboring with God, then your good works look something like Him. And we, we, um, we live in a, in a society where we have lots of heroes. Word, that word is loosely used right now I'm, I'm using it very loosely people that we look up to society in our society but when when they do good things it's not God that's celebrated unless it looks like God we celebrate whoever did it so what is it that's different about co-laboring with God it's got to look like him somehow I, I'm I'm not getting to like this grand answer that you can write down and go, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. Because there isn't one. But I can tell you 
that that biblically it says that let your good works. It doesn't say let him do good things around you so people will. No, it says let your good works glorify him. That people would see your good works and see him in them. We got to hear Tracy um, yesterday. Now, I've known Tracy, she hasn't known her even longer, but I've, I've known Tracy 15 years. I've been hearing her preach and inviting her. Love Tracy. Tracy is somebody that her good works are easy to see that God's in. Because some of the stuff she does, it's easy to say for me, for us. It's easy to go, ah, Tracy, you're not that good. And she would love that I'm saying this because how she lives her life. Like she wouldn't be alive if she didn't co-labor with God. Now we're all not, we're all, we all don't have the opportunity. I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. But she literally would not be alive if she wasn't co-laboring with God throughout the last 30, 40 years of her life. 30, I don't know how long, 30 years of her life. So, so she's an extreme example. I'm not saying that we all have to move to Mozambique. What I'm saying is, and that's even just a part, like the stuff before forever I think I'm saying what I want to say am I? you guys still with me? Um, but here's the thing to circle back around when, when, when you bring your best when God always brings his and together you create something that looks a little bit like something that you both might build. But you won't co-labor with God unless you believe you have something to offer. I like to say that He added you to the earth for flavor. Some of you are sweeter or saltier than others, but flavorful nonetheless. You know, He added us to the to the earth, you individually, for some flavor. I've said this before too that um, we, when we talk about value, I love talking about our value and, and how our value, we have two different sources for our value. We have our value to each other, which is, is easy. We can see it all around, what people are worth to us. And then our value to God, and actually our value to God trumps our value to each other. And we actually need to treat each other as if, even if we don't understand it, which is the kind of funny part, but even if we don't understand it, we need to see and treat each other according to their value to Him, not their value to us. But I, um, I rest rabbit trailed, I'm sorry. Oh, I was talking about flavor. And how, um, so He created us with, with value, He created us with flavor. He created us and put us in a place that, we, that He had a plan to use us. He wanted your specific flavor, your specific seasoning, so to speak, wherever you're at right now. And I can tell you, you won't look for your opportunity to season if you have the mindset of manna, meaning that, like, I'm just here to survive. I'm just here to have my needs met. I'm just here to... I'm talking about church. I'm talking about the world, the earth, on the planet. And so I'm actually here because this is when I was born. And wherever I'm going to die, for this season, I'm here to add flavor to the world. I'm here to co-labor with God to add something to the planet. I can tell you that having all your needs met is a lesser existence than co-laboring with God in adding your, the flavor that you bring to the planet. Just in, just for logic's sake, just so you can have something to know what I'm saying. Instead of just asking for prayer, who could you be praying for? Instead of asking for help, who could you help? Instead of worrying about having enough, give some away. And I, I want to challenge something. If, if in any of those three things, your first 
gut feeling is that either not believing that your prayers are powerful, like, oh, look at my life. My prayers aren't powerful enough. Or like, how can I help somebody else when I need so much help? Or how can I give something away? I don't even have enough. That's the mindset that loses the mind. That's the, I don't have anything, and that everything I have, like in that principle, in that biblical principle, following that, that if you if you think in such a way that you don't have anything, even what you have will be taken from you. And, I, and as you guys have seen it too, over and over and over, that the struggle to get our needs met actually stifles the abundance that God actually wants us to walk in. This, the idea, this connection between the idea that like I need to make sure I can't, how, why would I give money away? I can't even pay my own bills. Like I'm looking at, I'm coming up short and I can't. Why would I, why would I pray for someone to get healed when, you know, I've got this disease that I've suffered with for 20 years? You know, why would I go and, and help somebody else when I, I can't do my own, I can't rake my own leaves and I can't, my own house needs to be painted and whatever the list goes on, all the things I need help with. It's this, there's a, there's a mindset, I believe, that is, that is imprisoning those that partner with it. And it's keeping His people from walking in the abundance that we're designed to walk in. And it's, it's so much easier said, maybe it doesn't look like it when I'm saying it, but it's so much easier said than done. Because I get it. It's Hey, give away. I'm not saying... I'm saying what I'm saying. What I'm saying. <laughs> so I'll ask this. First Corinthians three nine is where it talks about co-laboring with God. By the way, write that down and read that whole part. I'll end with this, and just as we're looking at. 2018. A simple question: What are you and what are you and him working on? What are, what are you working on? Like, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be moving across the country. It does have to be something. It's got to be something. And if your answer is, "Well, I don't have anything to work on because I don't have anything." That's, that's just, you don't want to be there. And what's awesome is, just go dig the mine out of the ground that you buried and invest it. Whatever it is you got, just invest it. Where am I, where am I putting myself? Tracy talked about, um, I think she talked about spending herself. Did she talk about that? Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was after she talked about spending like where are you spending yourself where are you spending what God's given you and it doesn't matter if it's the day because if you have nothing you have the day <laughs> even if your health isn't good you still have health um, yeah so what are you guys working on does your life look does, does this project does this thing you're working on look like something that you both would build and why is it in seeing your good works would people glorify him in some way if people are looking it's got to be obvious that he's involved I'm going to pretend to look at my watch like I care about what time it is.
It's okay, I'm leaving anyway. It's, it's, it's my heart for the people that call on His name. The people that, that say, I'm a Christian. The people that say, I, I walk with, I'm, I'm following Jesus. However it is that you say it. Maybe you don't say it, but you're here. It, it, it's my heart that we would learn to live in abundance because I believe that it, it's not about wise investments. It's not about, it, it's a, it starts with a mindset. It starts with this mindset that says, I have something. God has given me something to give to Him. It starts with this this understanding that I have something to offer. I have something to bring. He's, He's deposited something. It might be small. It might be a mustard seed. It might be something tiny. But... Whatever that is, I'm going to, I'm going to offer it. I'm going to bring it. So yeah, 2018. What are you guys building? And by you guys, I mean you and him. With a capital G. That was funny. Oh man, it's going to be a good year. I, I just, I really believe us as I was praying through this last night and this morning. Um, There's a um, there's a gift of wisdom coming, I think, uh, coming in 2018, I think. Um, I'm trying to just, I'm trying to think through describing what I'm seeing. Um, a, a lot of times I equate wisdom to vision actual vision um, not vision as in but it, they're connected obviously but um, when you're scuba diving one of the really important um, things to think about when you're going to scuba dive somewhere the most important to me is the temperature of the water the second important thing is visibility and it goes by feet so if you go somewhere that is 30 to 50 foot visibility that's pretty good but if you go somewhere that's 100 visibility, that's like a fish tank. That's like, whoa. And it has to do with just particulates in the water and all that stuff. Same with um, when we have a fire season and the smoke sets in. And then, you know, like the first day when the smoke leaves, it's like all of a sudden your life's in high definition again. It's like, wow, look at the trees. This is amazing. Or even like we've been having this fog in the morning, the winter fog, it comes in and you're like, it almost feels like you're, how many of you know you wake up in the same place you woke up when it was all beautiful, and but it doesn't feel like that anymore. I, I feel like there's a, um, I connect that to, to, to wisdom. And that wisdom is the ability to see what's there. It's not just to, to make really good, pull really good decisions out of the, out of the air. But actually, to see what's there, you know, if I could see the mountains, I would. If I could see rocks, I would. Whatever it is, and I, and I feel like there's just this early early 2018. There's a there's a clarity and a wisdom that God wants to pour out on the church. It has to do with this idea of when we make good decisions, when we live in such a way that um, is. Uh, healthy impacting when we speak in such a way 
then we can build something that looks like Him and looks like us. That there's a um, there's an invitation. How many of you know with with the Lord, everything starts with an invitation. Everything is like, do you wanna? Do you wanna? And and there's an invitation to, do you wanna see? Do you wanna see farther? You wanna? But with wisdom and with vision comes responsibility, and I'm going to dig into a hole, so I'm not. I'm going to stop. But um, I encourage you don't don't ask for minas if you plan on burying them, because <laughs> then even what you had will be taken. Does that make sense? Like it's fine to do. You know, if you're like, oh no, remember only, only three of them. I don't know how many guys he had working for him. Only three of them that he actually invested in that we hear about. We can be one of the ones that's like, now nah, watch. I'll watch those guys. Because that's ain't scared. Does that make sense? Anyway, there's an invitation. And we'll... We'll do that right now. If... Uh, I, I want to make it really specific because I don't, I don't want to make it generic. But that if you feel like that tugging from the Holy Spirit in this moment that like, man, I feel like um, there's a fog. Like there's a... Not just... Sorry, I know I'm... I'm, I want to say this right, but our motivation is important. If we're motivated to see for our own benefit, it's a dangerous perspective to have. But if your heart is like ringing true to this co-laboring thing, like, God, I want to see, and so I can position myself to be who it is that you've called me to be, to live in that abundance, and not just I want to see to make good decisions so I can do whatever. Does that make sense? I'm trying to... I'm not saying anybody's doing that. I'm just saying only you and God know your heart. Um, but if you if you can can kind of in purity of hearts, like man, I'm, I want to see. I've been I've been praying that for obvious reasons. I think for myself that um, that I'd see the next season. You know, I I'm still figuring out like what what am I going to do? What's going to happen? And um, there's not fear connected to it but it's not something I'm used to and so I feel like okay God I'm here to learn what, what it is like but I'd love to see as far as you'll let me see and um, and so I, yeah I just want to invite you guys and we'll end with this um, that if that's you if it, I feel like there's a there's just a yeah there's an anointing to, to see anointing for wisdom and anointing for clarity of vision, then um, stand up. I just want to pray for you. The Holy Spirit, we just position our hearts to welcome you, to welcome your words, welcome your presence to welcome your influence and I I just um, I bless the upgrade in clarity that I just feel um, you're speaking over this this moment That we just we invite it in. We we want to see more what it is that you are building, what it is that um, we want to see more your ways. We want to see more your heart. That we would join with, co-labor with, not for our own good, but for the good 
of everyone around us. It says that even Jesus and his ministry grew in favor with God and with man. And so God, we seek your favor for their sake. For the sake of the, the people that we love. For our families, for our workplaces, for our environments. Lord, would you rest and land on us? Yeah, blow away the the clouds, smoke, debris. Thank you, Lord, that you have such good plans for this planet. You have such good things in store for your people. The ones that you love, which is all of them.